Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. When we opened up our fantasy football apps to start the preseason, we were confronted with one big problem. The forward lines. The players that we loved and used so readily in 2023 have all departed us and now it feels like we're just picking up the crumbs from the table. However, is Jackson McRae the phoenix rising from the ashes that we need? Historically, he's been a premium for us for 10 years and while there's a little bit of a sour taste after a down 2023, he could be our fantasy football savior in Supercoach Dream Team and Supercoach for our forward lines. He's up next on today's episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. Can you believe it? We are into the single digits of the 50 most relevant just over a week to go of these player reviews where I look at who I believe are the most important and relevant players to have a conversation about this preseason, ranking them out in an order across our formats to hopefully inform a conversation for you to listen into and partake in about who are the most important players for our 2024 fantasy football season. Joining me on the podcast and video and audio episodes, making his coach's panel debut, but chances are if you're on the social media format of X slash Twitter, you've seen this man around probably arguably, if not one of the leading statistical analysis and expert in the fantasy footy community at the moment. You've seen him on a bunch of different content creators, helping them with their stats and research. Joining me for the first time, it's Jaden. Mate, nice to see you. Thanks for jumping on this episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Hey, MJ. And yeah, it's an honor to be on. Um, Long time listener. And I'm pretty keen to talk today about the prospects of McRae. And um, yeah, I think we can take a bit of a deep dive into the data behind what's going on. If you love your number crunching, this is the episode for you. If you don't understand numbers and data, one of the brilliant things that Jaden has done for us in the community is putting narrative to numbers. And we're going to help us look at that for Jaden doing it for on the podcast, but for Jackson McRae. So what did he do last year? A seasonal average of 99.9 in Supercoach. 11 tons. He's priced at just over 550K for us in that format. A season high score of 145, but a career high number of 189. While if you flip yourself over to AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he's priced at 829,000 in AFL Fantasy, just a touch under 850K in Dream Team. A seasonal average of 91.8. Eight tons last year. A top score relatively low in comparison to what he's done for us over his career a 129 but a career high score of 190 Jaden, for the better part of a decade now ever since he broke out in 2014 Jackson McRae has been a staple of our AFL fantasy and our super coach sides. He's got this beautiful combination of elite endurance with his running, high football smarts where he knows how to get into space. He's got this appetite and desire to always impact the game by linking up with those handball chains that the Bulldogs really since that breakout premiership of a few years ago now has really been a part of the loop beverage game style. He gets into space. He does apply the defensive stuff as well and he wins his own ball 
we talk about often this beautiful rounding of a footballer that translates to fantasy football scoring. And for pretty much a decade, Jackson McRae has been the most perfectly well-rounded fantasy option we've had. Exactly right. And it's kind of the thing you look for right from the start of a player's career. And it's exactly what McRae had straight away. So he averaged 104 as a second year breakout. And that's pretty unheard of. Um, And it pretty much just highlights the fact that he can score in so many different ways. Um, And he has over his career. And especially in these um, fantasy games, you want the inside and outside balance um, to be, you know, roughly even. You don't want them to be too inside that they never get involved in transition. And for McRae, he's had that kind of perfect role um, and he's he's not so inside that his CBA numbers were ridiculously high and he kind of mixes it up a little bit um, over his career and did that mix of inside and outside showing his full class. If we look at just his 2023 data, 91.8 average in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, eight tons, a couple over 120. And he wasn't as bad as I think when we look at the numbers, it wasn't as bad as we realized five scores under 80. One of them was a sub impact game in his, in his final game of the year. And then he missed the final game of the season, but of available forwards to us in AFL fantasy he's the number one player by average and ranked third for total points. Well, over in Supercoach, 99.9 average, just one more one percent. I would have got you there, mate. 11 times five scores over 120, just the two scores under 80. Again, Number one ranked forward available for us this year by average, fourth for total points. Jaden, it's interesting. Perspective changes a lot for us. I think a lot of people entered into 2023 with this expectation that this was the bounce back year, up to the 110, 115 numbers that he'd been for so long. And there's this lament and sour taste in the community that he, he didn't quite deliver for us. And while that's probably fair, there's still patches and runs through the year where it was the McRae of old. I look at round 10 to 13, for example, he's going at 118 in AFL fantasy and doesn't drop below 104. And Supercoach goes at 129.5, doesn't drop below 100 in that run and gives us multiple scores of 140s. And so there's this interesting notion around Jackson that I'm beautifully keen to talk to you about and why I asked you to jump on this episode was you've done a power of work for us about understanding Jackson's role in the team, his scoring at stoppage and his scoring from transition. And ultimately that's a conversation about his role and game style in the side. You've done a lot of the deep dive work of what he's done in 2023. Where does his scourge from stoppage and transition translate from last year? So let alone what he's done over previous seasons. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, his stoppage and transition um, splits have been fairly even over his career which is really good you want these premium midfielders to have um over 50 points from stoppages and over 50 from transition because it means they can score in multiple ways and they have a really good floor because you can't be limited by maybe a matchup that's really difficult um on the outside or the inside um 
So you really want that nice balance. And last year, McRae went at 48 points from stoppages and 46 from transition. So that's a really even split. So he's still playing in a way that can um, give him that high floor, like what you just talked about, especially in um, super coach um, with more possession points. Um, and yeah, what we're kind of seeing is he has that nice split and he could potentially um, lift both of those if he gets a more consistent role. So the role is the big question alongside what the heck we do with our forwards. There's this commonality of thought process in the community, which I think has an element of fact to it, an element of fiction towards it, which is when you have a higher volume of centre bounce presence, your scoring will either be A, more consistent and or have a higher volume of points available to you. But we see this weird element with Jackson that, yes, of course he scores when he's around the ball more for sure, but even just in three games last year, he had scores in round 10 against the Crows where he had 20% CBAs. He goes 117 in AFL Fantasy and 140 in Supercoach. Two weeks later against Geelong, okay, a bit of a CBA bump up to 39%, goes 104 in AFL Fantasy and 108 in Supercoach. The following week, plummets all the way down to just a 3% centre bounce and gives us a 129 in AFL Fantasy and a 120 in Supercoach. So are these just isolated narratives or is this a normative for Jackson that he doesn't have to have 50, 60, 70% CBA around the ball midfield time to be able to score well? Yeah, exactly right. We want we want our forwards typically to be the ones that are pushing into the midfield and that's what we've seen over the last decade. So like prior to 2021, every single year we had a Ford that was priced at 92 plus. We had five of them in each year at least. And then over over the last two years, it's three and four expensive Fords. And this year, McRae's the most expensive and he's under 92. So he's at zero. So we're kind of in a really unique position where none of the Fords have really had a consistent centre bounce role. There's none that are really... Um, dominating in the midfield, especially compared to last year. Um, and with McRae, it, it is very confusing because coaches will be like, okay, we want him to be in the centre bounces. But typically over his career, with a nice even split between stoppages and transition, his scoring tends to be fairly random. It's nothing to do with the role. So I did a bit of deep dive into this and Essentially, McRae has zero correlation between centre bounces and how many points he's winning from stoppages. So you mentioned the Adelaide game. He scored 68 points from stoppages in that game, and that was his highest game um, for the year. But then you talked about the Port Adelaide game where he had very little CBAs, and he scored 58, which is well above his season average. So it's very confusing, and there's essentially just no correlation at all and that holds up over the last three years as well there's no there's no explanation for what his role is doing to his scoring his scoring is just random when i watch jackson mccrane and, and we need to treat data and analytics really importantly with understanding of the game of football as well and that's what i've really appreciated about what you're bringing to the fantasy football table is not just a here's a data crunch 
figure it out yourself and let your confirmation bias run with it is you're adding and threading narrative for us that we either don't understand or haven't been able to find language to be able to put our gut feels or our interpretations on. Like just go back and watch some Jackson McRae games over the past couple of years. Where is it that you find yourself noticing Jackson McRae? Follow him in a game. Watch just the elite gut running of this player to get to contest, to the next contest, to the next contest, to get to the link up play, to get that transition points and, and clearance moments and all these elements that Jaden is talking about. So the key that unlocks Jackson's scoring, I don't think his role at all. I think it's helpful when you're around the ball more for sure, but it's him getting into that ability to use his work rate and gut running and for the way the Bulldogs play that unlocks his scoring for us um, in the coming season is critically viable and critically important for us. But I'm curious about your take about McRae in general. I'll get, I'll get your comment on the forward line in general. You mentioned about how he's so much higher, both in points and in average and, and in center bounce presence compared to a lot of what the other options are. But I think a lot of the attraction for us about Jackson McRae pre-hamstring injury, which we'll talk about in a sec, was it just feels safe. I, I'm going to get F1, barring drastic injuries. I just can build around it. And I might not make a big bang out of it. It's not going to hurt me. I'm just going to take an F1 that'll probably be a top 10 forward for us without DPPs knowing what we're going to gain. But is it true statistically from what you're seeing in trends that Jackson McRae is the safe option for us if we head towards him? Yeah, so like I said before, the the forward line has no top price players at all. So coaches are looking and thinking, okay, who is actually going to be a top six forward by the end of the year? Um, and I think that's part of the reason why um, and still over half of coaches, despite an injury niggle, have him in that team currently. Um, and in terms of how he's gone over the last, say, three years, he's gone from um, a streak of 110 averages, dropping that down to 104 in 2022, and last year just below 92. So he's pretty much dropping off 12 points per year. Um, and if we're saying that his role is random and that doesn't affect his stoppage and transition scoring, well, it, as a competition rule, you can understand why center bounces affect stoppage scoring. But funnily enough, if you just look at the correlation between transition scoring and center bounce scoring, there's absolutely none. So plenty of, plenty of, um, coaches out there might be thinking okay well if he just gets a center bounce role he'll be fine um and while that is true mccray individually is a bit of a random scorer because like you said he has that outside work rate and competition wide that is not dependent on a center bounce role so that can often depend a little bit on the matchup things like that um and over the last over these last three years where he's had a 12 point drop off in each year he's pretty much lost half of it from stoppages, but also lost half of it from transition. So that's really interesting to me because what is causing a drop-off in transition when we know it's got nothing to do with his role? And um, yeah, maybe maybe it's just that he's been so good for so long and he can't really 
he can't really continue to do that. And I'm a little bit cautious on picking him because of that. Like if he's not um, getting around the ground as potentially well as he did right from the start of his career, he was averaging 104 from very limited center bounces. So if coaches think, oh, yeah, last year it was just an anomaly, it wasn't really because he used to do 105 without center bounces. So why was he only doing 91 last year? It's because of that transition scoring decreasing. And and how much of this is impacted to with the players that have come in? It's not just he's aging and pushing towards 30 and therefore it's the old man cliff that's coming our way. It's looking at the players and the game style evolution of the Bulldogs over the past couple of years. Cause I, I see some thinking Bailey Smith's out of that team and yes, he's been an in, a really important link up player for them. His run and carry has been important. So there's some in the community that go Bailey Smith out through an unfortunate absence through ACL. That might be the bump that he needs because in a CBA's presence, Bont, Libba, they're locked. They're not playing anywhere else but as inside midfielders. That is where they're going to be in the third, fourth, fifth fiddle. Sure, you can have that conversation. But I don't think Smith out ultimately means McRae pops because we saw Caleb Daniel start to pick up some of this presence last year. They've used Bailey Dale at times through there. Jason Johannesson at times through there. Even um, Toby McLean and Riley West got the odd push-up high moment to link up and transition. Some are thinking the arrival of James Harms hurts him. Well, no, I, I don't think there's that direct correlation in game style and play. But there is one Western Bulldog player I'm intrigued on your thoughts around that has been around this universe of the Bulldogs for the past couple of years, and that's Adam Trelaw. Is he the one that actually unlocks the scoring, either the limiting or the freeing up of scoring for what we might see of Jackson McRae this year? Yeah, I, I think that is ultimately the main reason for McRae's change in scoring because Trelaw is a very similar career build to what McRae has done. He was a good scorer from the start. He had some massive years when he was still at Collingwood and um, now he's at the Bulldogs. He's kind of that similar player where he can score inside and outside and he's really good um, running. Um, if we look at how it's kind of broken down from a stoppage points of view, point of view, McRae was five points clear of any other Bulldog in 2021. And then in 2022, they went for a really even mix where four players averaged over 50 and they were really close together. And then last year, Bontempelli was the best player in the competition by a long way um, and Liberatore up there. But McRae just consecutively dropped off from 61 points a game down to 53 and now down to 48. So he's kind of had that decline and in that time Adam Trelaw has actually gone up so 38 points a game up to 40 and then last year a massive increase up to 56 and when you look at um, with and without stats sometimes they can be a little bit misleading because what if what if the impact is in an individual game level so we're looking at McRae and Trelaw as a combination what are they scoring what are they doing with disposals and clearances it's actually really consistent year on year if you add McRae and Trelaw together. Um, but the problem is last year that Trelaw was doing most of that, not McRae. So as a team together, those two, they, they score really well. 
but one of them can only go good at the same time, essentially. So if Adam Trelaw's not in the team, if injury pops, could that be the pathway to Jackson McRae giving us that hot start to the year? Or will this on one week, off the next week, continue on in 2024? We speak of injuries. Jackson's the one that's currently navigating his way through a hamstring injury. The club are really confident and have given every indication that he'll be fine for the preseason matches that take underway, which is where, as you mentioned, Jade, and there's still that community of interest to go, oh, I'll just keep him in at F1 and then I'll base my decision off the back of that. And, and I understand that narrative, but what I'd encourage you, if you are a McRae owner right now, is try something different with your structure at the moment. You know what your team looks like with McRae in at F1. You can easily adjust back if, as Jane has mentioned, well, if there's a linkage here with Trelaw and Trelaw's out, you know what that team structure will look like. What you don't know is if McRae's not at F1 because you're either hearing through this episode some statistical, not hesitation, but some statistical flags to be able to wave and giving you important information for it. What does your team do? Because I think, Jaden, in general, people are looking at the forward lines and going, I just don't like it at all. No matter the structures, I think if you poke any coach outside of a couple of rookies, they're feeling a little bit like it's a house of cards at the moment. Yeah, and I think that's essentially the reason for why he's still so heavily owned, um, like you mentioned. So I think it is really interesting to, even even if you don't think about his injury at all, because he'll probably be fine, just have a go, like you said, where you don't pick him um, and see where you can spend the money elsewhere. We're playing salary-based games here. So you need to be using your money in a wise way. If McRae continues to drop off like he has over the last three years, without any real role correlation to that, if he's dropping off potentially because he's been so good for so long and that's what we've expected and now he's um, kind of coming out the end of that, are you really wanting to pick him if he averages, say, 85? What if he goes exactly 90? That might not be a top six forward. In fact, we have the least amount of DPPs um, since 2014. Um, So there's no DPPs in the system right now. So there's so many players that could potentially be gaining it. I think last year we had very consistent roles. There wasn't a lot of in-season DPPs compared to the two years before that. So the roles were fairly consistent last year. And what that means is a lot of players only have one position. So there's plenty of room for players to add that secondary position. And potentially we could be completely fine in the forward line by round six. So I'm I'm really want to encourage you to have a go and see if you think McRae's scoring is to do with his role, then fair enough. And you might understand that by watching the game. But in terms of statistics wise, I think that drop off can't be explained by role. He used to be able to score well without center bounces and he's not doing it anymore. So I want to encourage you to play around with your team because it is salary-based. You want to be spending your cash in an efficient way. You want all your players to increase in value in an ideal world. So just play around with, is McRae going to increase? Maybe you just look for more value in the forward line. That's certainly something that people have looked at, especially now that he's had that injury flag. 
depending on when you're listening or watching this episode, we've got give or take a month till football officially gets underway where the points and the games actually matter. And so as Jade's alluded to, you've got time on your side. And the good thing for us in that is we've got time to watch what happens with all the available forwards to us. We'll see these breakouts. Are they emerging? We'll hear from clubs, from players, from coaches, and from watching games of football, we will see roles emerge structures emerge game style pathways start to hit and we'll get more pieces of information that will either confirm no mccray is not the correct pathway for me or yes he is if you're looking for a final reason to pick him well from a structural perspective they've got a good buy round 15 it's really nice he's available for you through should he be fit all 14 games that gets you through every other best 18 approach. And with a guy of his ceiling potential, albeit legacy, that's really important for us to maximize ceiling potential. And as we mentioned just the other day, when we talked about Marcus Bontempelli on the 50 most relevant, the Bulldogs have statistically, and it's using 2023 data, so we know it can change as the year goes on, probably one of, if not the best matchups for midfielders. They have Melbourne, Gold Coast, West Coast, Geelong, Essendon, and St. Kilda as their matchups. And so there's a world, Jaden, where a lot of ifs have to come his way. But if the ifs align and you fade against McRae, while there's definitely cause for concern, there's a way he gets after round six. We find a new bunch of DPPs coming into round seven, but he's already gone at that 115 average if the ifs all align for him. Yeah, and it's just something to keep in mind. Like, There's no reason for you to lock him in at this stage, especially with an injury now. There's no reason why you have to say, I can't pick him. It's pretty much just going to be down to what he can actually score. I don't think his role is super important based on the last three years of random scoring. If he looks good and he's scoring well in the preseason games, have a look at the midfield mix. There's very much a world where you end up um, picking him but I just want you to be careful and think um, is this going to be the best thing um, for my team from a salary point of view there's so many players we get stuck with each year and we can't get rid of them and they're losing a lot of cash and I fear that with these early buyers as well you won't potentially have the the trades that you need to potentially get rid of a player like McRae especially if you're picking him for his ability to potentially be a keeper, a top six forward for the year. So I just want you to be um, constantly thinking about it. And I guess that's the point of um, this series is just having a discussion about a player and and not being not just picking him because the forward line looks bad otherwise. There's no, there's no rules around how much money you have to spend in each line. Um, and there's a lot of value picks popping their head up and I'm sure we'll get more of those as the preseason games happen and people see players pop. So I just want you to keep an open mind and think, is his reason for his drop off his role or is it maybe just his over his, over, um, his previous best? Um, and yeah, just, just keep flexible with what you see with McRae. Some really good advice for us that play classic and salary cap formats of the games. While over in draft, ultimately... While same scoring, same elements and dynamics we might have to challenge, it's a different game. It's a different mindset. It's a different way of approaching drafts. Where do you see him go on draft, AJ? And I think he'll be the consensus 
ADP first forward off the board for a lot of people and legacy will be the primary motivator for that. But where do you think is right to approach picking an early forward like a Jackson McRae? Do you see the positional scarcity of top liners motivate the early pick? Or are you more of the consensus that is fade this line and punt forwards because they're all a bit ick? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, punt forwards has definitely been kind of the flavor of this preseason when it comes to drafting and average draft position. Um, I think the important thing to remember is we don't have less forwards this year. We just have not as expensive ones. None of them priced over 92 when we've typically had five or six over the last decade. So there's no positional scarcity in terms of how many players there are. It's just we don't have that top end. So I see McRae, like, is his, if he scores at 90, is he so much more valuable than the the average forward you're picking um, compared to what we saw last year where we had players going 110? So I think the gap between him and the best forward probably isn't um, so massive that you need to think, okay, he's going to be in the first round. So I think if you target him maybe towards the second round, I think that's kind of where people are thinking he will end up going and he's going to be more of that consistent type scorer, I believe. Um, so you can, he's pretty reliable. And I think that's why he'll be very clearly the first board taken off the board. Love your thoughts and totally agree with you on that as well. Jane, it's been awesome having you on this episode. I think you've given us a lot, not just statistically, but now narrative and nuance to understand about the potential upside for a Jackson McRae and also the potential flags that you've waved that might trend true if recent history is of anything to go by. Mate, thanks for jumping on the 50 Most Relevant. And also, where can we keep in touch with you across social media and see some of the great statistical work you've been doing for the community? Thanks, MJ. Yeah, it's been great to jump on. Um, For me, I'm on Twitter. That's the best place. Um, Got the most following on there so that's where i focus on the most at jaden underscore posky um i'm also on instagram at stats by jaden i'm putting together a bit of a website at the moment to kind of present some of this data that i'm talking about i really love working with these stoppage and transition points because it gives a lot more context to what a player is doing rather than just saying oh that fantasy scoring is correlated with our center bounces for someone like mccray it's actually not the case. So I'm really keen to continue to work through the stoppage and transition scoring, especially as we look into a new year. Like how can we use it to actually predict a player's role and what's going on? Um, because ultimately we want players that score um, from both the sources, not just have the the role or the percentage of centre bounces that we look for. There's a lot more um, deepness to that. So if you are keen on that, I recommend that you... Yeah, follow me um, and I'll continue to look through that because I think it's just so interesting and there's so much more I can do with it. Uh, 
Mate, absolutely. The, one of the great things you've done for us as a community is every year it feels like we're getting a greater understanding of the game of football, how to analytically and statistically capture that, and then how to interpret that together. And you've definitely been a leading cause of that. So thank you, my friend, you know, on behalf of the fantasy footy community for doing that. We've got all of those um, links and locations of where you can keep in touch with Jaden. We've put them in the description of this episode. So if you're like, I, I spell the surname with a P and a U and a W. Don't just go into the description of the episode. We've got you covered so that you're not going to end up on some random X Twitter <laughs> website that you'd rather avoid. Uh, we've got you covered with that in there. And by the way, there's also a buy me a coffee link, which is a way where you can actually kick a few dollars over to Jaden to not just fund the great work he's doing in the community, but practically support him in that as well. And can I can encourage you as you're listening, if you've really appreciated some of this statistical work he's done not just on this episode but for the community in general jump on that link buy him a coffee that five that ten dollars means nothing really for most of us but that accumulation actually does enable Jaden to be able to put up and put out the great content he's doing for us so please if you can do it absolutely jump on and do that. If you've loved this episode, the good news is there's an article that sits right alongside it at coachespanel.tv. You can read that for Jackson and any other player we've revealed so far in the 50 most relevant. These audio podcasts are available on every single platform. Just simply search for the Coaches Panel, subscribe, and as soon as a episode goes live, which will happen every day of the preseason, even after the 50 most relevant ends, you'll get them straight to your device. Leave a five-star rating if you'd like we greatly appreciate it we've also got our own youtube channel we thought why not you know we do most of these over video recordings anyway why not let you see them so you can jump online check out the youtube episode and subscribe while you're over there as well on the hunt for the thousand subscribers before the end of the 50 most relevant we had none when we started doing content this preseason. so if you want to jump on over there and subscribe we would greatly appreciate it so Who's tomorrow in the 50 most relevant? Are you, are you getting good at figuring these clues out? Let's be honest, the less names left to go, it's harder for me to give ones that it's not as easy to pick. But let's give it a go. Last year, and it happens every single year, there's a player that over the final six, eight, ten weeks of the year that were lowly owned at the start, but something dynamically changes and they absolutely dominate over those final few weeks and months of the season. We're talking about a player that did that for us in 2023 and is in that spot potentially for us in 2024. He's held the positional status from last year that's meant he's equally in the eyes, if not more so, valuable to us in 2024 than he was at the back of 2023. And he's also the last of his player line that we are talking about, making him, in my eyes, the most relevant for that position in 2024. But relevance doesn't mean best. Relevance just means relevant. Who is he? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. Yeah.